Commander Shepard has been recovered. The Lazarus Project will proceed as well. Welcome to the Lazarus Project podcast. This is episode 8. This is a Mass Effect podcast where we discuss its characters, lore, theory, give our opinion. This podcast episode, though, was recorded live in the Poppy54 YouTube channel. You can come join us there for any future multiplayer live streams, or you can join us in the gaming Discord for chipping into the conversation, giving your own thoughts, and listening to the raw, unedited version of future episodes. So, uh, welcome to the live stream. This is a special recording of the Lazarus Project podcast. And uh, Christopher Hill here is already making his debut on the podcast by uh, tricking me, uh, thinking that the, the mic's not working. Uh, so, in true uh, podcast fashion, uh, I don't host uh, on my own. I have uh, my co-hosts. And uh, first to join us, uh, when he is not directing his latest blockbuster films, he is usually trying to pick me up off the floor on a Saturday evening. <laughs> Face reveal for Craig. If I knew this was coming, I would have put my hood up or something. Done like a big dramatic reveal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome. This is the first time anyone's actually seen his face. Yeah. It's so weird. How long has it been? Has it been like a year or two now since um, I first joined those multiplayer streams? Yeah, it must have been. I think it was uh, the first, first regular... Uh, contributor i have wasn't it i guess so so wow but the uh the lazarus project podcast isn't complete without our third co-host and uh this guy is uh, so in love with cerberus that he even has a tattoo of kailang on his body and yet when we did the uh top three mass effect characters he was nowhere to, to be seen it's uh isn't it in fact the cerberus guy manning Hello, everyone hear me all right? Yep. Wow. Yeah, That's an and impressive beard. Thank you. <laughs> I actually just trimmed it because it was a little off center. Um, and again, in my defense, when we originally did that, I was under the impression that it was squad mates only. <laughs> Otherwise, the elusive man would have been my two, and Kai Lang would have been my one. Uh, well, in this uh, this live stream and episode, which you can catch, you'll be able to catch on all good podcatchers. Spotify and Apple and all that jazz. So if your comments read out, be sure to have listened to them. Obviously, you'll get mentioned as well. But yeah, we are doing our top three loyalty missions, and there is space on there for some bottom ones as well. If uh, if you guys want to um, add some ones in there that you, you really hate as well, um, and yes, we'll get some input from the chat as well. So if there's anybody in the chat that wants to also say what their top loyalty mission is for Mass Effect Two, then be sure to pop it here and we'll let uh, we'll pop it on screen as well so who wants to start i can start i was gonna say you know what's funny is i have no idea what craig's three is going to be but i'm willing to bet money i can guess what his two and one are oh you can you can bet but i actually don't think you'll be able to get it i don't think you'll be able to guess <laughs> anyway so i'll start um so we're going three to one right three to one yeah yeah, okay, so my number three is Zaid. You heard the name Vito Santiago. He's the head of the Blue Suns, runs the whole organization. Zaid? Hell yeah! Why is that? 
it's just I feel like over and above like the moral question with the factory workers, and I know that people like I have a very strong opinion on that. I'm sure a lot of people also do. I just think it's interesting because it's it kind of helps build Zaid as a character because like he's you, when you first meet him, he's with the Batarian and just beating him up, and he just comes across as this gruff, rough and tumble mercenary type, and I feel like his loyalty mission humanizes him a bit just because like once you actually get to Zoria you and you find out how screwed up Vito is I mean like say what you want about Kai Lang but Vito Santiago makes him look like a choir boy and it's just it's just there's so much there that just kind of I don't know if humanizes is the right word but it just makes you understand why Zaid is the way he is like when you when you're waiting for the bridge to extend and he tells you about how he got shot in the face and he's been holding on to this grudge for like 20 years or whatever it was. It's just, it makes him more, even if you don't like him, it makes you un- at least understand how he is or why he is the way he is. I still can't believe he survived that though. That's just so ridiculous. Like he gets gunned down in the face and somehow survives. If you're stubborn enough, you can survive a hell of a lot and rage is a hell of an anesthetic. Mm. <laughs> which which um which do you pick then? Do you pick uh, to save the hostages or save uh, to uh, kill Vito? I always kill Vito because it's funny because I get the draw of wanting to help the hostages, but it's it's from, like the whole reason you go there in the first place is because Elfeld Ashland wants you to get their factory back, and and then if you let him leave, he's literally just going to do the same thing again. It's like it it's similar to me to the bring down the sky. DLC at Mass Effect 1 and that like I don't understand how anyone can let let Valak walk out the door I mean like he was half an hour away from dropping an extinction level asteroid on a city of four and a half million people and you're just going to let him leave to do it again so you can save six random like I feel bad for the hostages but I mean it's just six random people in a room I mean like how do you let Valak or Vito leave they're both just going to do the same exact thing again it's not like they're going to like turn a new leaf because you let them live yeah. Although you do kind of, I mean, I, I don't know what how like, how long the time span is, but like, does he really get enough time to have another chance of doing that anyway? Well, I mean, he's been doing it his entire like. I mean, he's like the whole reason Zaid kind of quote unquote got kicked out of the Blue Suns was because he didn't want to like use slave labor or slave trading or anything. Vito's like, whatever it makes me a dollar, I'll do it. And like Zaid at least had some morals. Vito's just rotten to the core. Like mm-hmm. I said, and again, like I said, say what you want about Kai Lang, but at least he had a human side. Vito's just a monster. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, he still didn't do as badly as, was it Alec? You called him. Like, I feel, didn't kill as many people as that guy did, or almost did. Yeah, I mean, Balak might have been several orders of magnitude above him, but they're still essentially the same person. In my opinion, anyway. Feel free to disagree, chat. Uh, we've got um, Christopher Hall here. Says, um, that does turn a new leaf, though. He does, actually, yeah. That's what I was going to say, actually. Like, does he really get an opportunity to drop another asteroid? You know, because there's a short time between the games, and then, you know, you can redeem him, basically. Well, I mean, I guess technically I have let him survive once just to see what happens. 
and I know he replaces that other Batarian in the third game, but by turning a new leaf, all he basically does is convince a couple dozen Batarian ships that are still alive to ally with the council. And the Batarian that replaces him, if he's dead, does the same thing anyway. Yeah, who is the random Batarian that replaces him? Like, what's his relevance, like, if he just shows up, you know? Well, I know there's slight differences. I know, I think, if Balak, like I said, I only did it once, so my memory might be a bit foggy here. But I think Balak tries to just cause, a like, a, a ruckus on the Citadel. Whereas the replacement battalion, I think, is actually just trying to like steal food and supplies to actually help the other battalion refugees. So in my mind, he's like a million times, at least. He, I mean, he's still doing bad things, but he's doing them for a good reason. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I do feel like it's got a bit more drama though if you've got a history with that battalion. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple instances like that in the franchise where if someone's dead, just a random person pops up. But I mean, sometimes I think it, it's hit or miss, though, because like I would almost argue like that Batarian, like there's no backstory at all. But I would argue with you that if Morden dies in Mass Effect 2, that Paddock Wicks is a more interesting Solarian in the third game. Unless, right, bear with me here. The one who steals the food in the third game is the preacher in Mass Effect 2. Oh, the <laughs> he's in the third game, though. He's on Omega. You can walk by him while he's literally giving a sermon. <laughs> Oh my god, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, he's literally, you can't interact with him, but he's literally, you walk by him near the end of the DLC, and he's literally giving a sermon. Oh, huh. god, I don't know, I missed that. Do you have the Omega DLC? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, actually, you know what? I think I've only played it like once or twice, because it's not. It's one of my least favorite the DLCs. You don't like the whole cat and mouse thing, that cat and mouse thing with Petrovsky? I do, but it just feels a bit dragged out. Like, it could have been an hour shorter, surely. I will say, probably my favorite part of that DLC, I mean, like, I know we're off on a random tangent here, but real quick, my favorite part of that DLC is when you first go into the mines, and then, like, all of a sudden, completely out of left field, it becomes a survival horror game for, like, half an hour. Like, where yeah. you're creeping through, and there's, like, just this dim midnight blue lighting, and with literally the universe's worst flashlight, and you can... There's just dead, ripped-apart bodies everywhere, and you can hear things growling and roaring in the background, but you never see anything for the first 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, it was legitimately the first time I did it kind of creepy. I mean, it's not a horror if you're a level 50 vanguard, let's be honest. <laughs> It'll be over no, in a I know, few but, seconds. But I mean, just like, it was, that was such a sharp left turn from what the rest of the game was. Yeah. It's like when you do the Leviathan DLC, and for like two hours, the game turns into an HP Lovecraft novel. Elkan, is uh, Omega's the best DLC in the whole game? I, I think I'd I, have to disagree with that one. I, personally, I think it's the Citadel. Um, but, I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm kind of one on the thing, fence, to be fair. One thing I will say, though, is I'm sure chat's going to vehemently disagree with me, but were Mass Effect real, and if were I given the choice, I would a million percent rather live on Omega than the Citadel. I feel like the Citadel is is generally more enforced. Like, I mean, it's got it, obviously it's got the political side of it that's like a bit of a nightmare, you know, all the red tape and whatever. But if you generally, I feel like you're less likely to get stabbed on the Citadel. That's true, but like you said, there's so much red tape and law enforcement and everything everywhere. It's just like 
this might sound weird to say, but I feel like in a certain way, Omega is pure. Like you can just go there and just basically do whatever. You can just be yourself. There's no, no one's. Hold, I mean, as long as you don't piss off Arya, you can essentially just do what you want. Like in that sense, I just think it's purer than the Citadel. But also, people can do what they want to you as well. Like yeah. uh, just serve you poison drinks and stuff. You know. Yeah, but that's um, that's evolution. It's like survival of the fittest. <laughs> what am I looking at? I know, but it's just like, I feel like living on the Citadel would be like living in George Orwell's 1984. Me, just speaking personally. Uh, go on then, Craig. You, uh... Okay. Um, you us... to, the, to the surprise of everyone, because honestly, this genuinely isn't one of those things, right? I'm genuinely not, pick, I'm not, I'm not picking it because I just want to surprise people. I genuinely, like, do feel this way. My number three loyalty mission is Jacob pinged by a ghost the other night. My private log got an update about the Hugo Gernsback, the ship my father served on. It sent an SOS last week, reporting a crash and requesting rescue. Jacob. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I know I know your argument about the loyalty mission for Jacob, Manning. I know I know you just kind of feel like there are a lot of things that could be done better with Jacob's dad and everything, and I agree. But his loyalty mission is the closest I've ever gotten to being interested in his character. Because it's just like you learn a bit more about his character. You learn a bit more about his dad. He like he basically doesn't open up at all before that loyalty mission. He doesn't say he says a little bit about some mission he went on with Miranda. But like that's literally it. And in terms of like other backstory, like at least you learn a bit more about his dad. And I feel like stuff around the loyalty mission could have been done better like you know little things like jacob saying um oh my dad used to do this this and that before he left me kind of thing and then that would set up what happens in the loyalty mission better but i think the reveal that his dad isn't who he thinks he is is a really interesting reveal and you know the whole thing about everything that he's doing maybe it's taken to the extreme to a point where you're just like how can this be someone who he ever respected but I do think the reveal about him dad his dad not being who he thought he was was just just so interesting. And like it was so dark. But I don't know. I just felt like it was doing something very different to the other loyalty missions. Not all of them, obviously, otherwise it'd be number one. But <laughs> it's doing something quite different. I'll agree with that. I would say though, the one thing that I did think was kind of stupid over and above everything else was I don't really think they needed the whole toxic food thing to really make that loyalty mission work. Mm. Just, I just don't want to say, Elkin, what you're saying about not liking the character, I agree with you there. This is just about the loyalty mission. Just saying, okay? I'm right with you there about not liking him. But, yeah. <laughs> the first time you played Mass Effect 2, were you aware of any of the other media that existed about Jacob, or were you just going in like completely blind? I was completely blind, and I did read the comics that he was in, like, just recently. Well, not too recently. But honestly, it hasn't really changed how I felt about him. I just felt like Jacob, not even just his loyalty mission, but just as a character, like, he seems, he comes across as, like, a genuinely nice person, and I just think that he was just butchered from the start. Like, I don't know if they just ran out of time with him, or they couldn't flesh him out properly, but it just he just seemed like there was more that could have been there. Yeah. Over and above the loyalty mission. 
it felt like they were trying to make him like a like a really close friend kind of thing, like a like a bro. But like it just felt like the the broness was there, but like not knowing him well enough was kind of a big problem with me actually caring. Yeah, and I think they improved on that dramatically in Andromeda with Liam. Because Liam's like the ultimate dude bro, but he's so much more fleshed out. And even that game was pretty heavily rushed. So, like I said, I just don't know what happened with Japheth. I do like the whole sort of tit-for-tat thing with Jarl and Liam. That does sort of like make Liam a bit more, bit cooler, to be honest. And yeah. The dude mailed himself a car and like, he, it's like, like super duper far in the future, like 600 years after the trilogy. And he still has like this ugly ass beer stained couch instead of like, I'm sure he could find whatever. I'm sure there's a space Ikea somewhere, but he still chooses to use his like crap boy couch. I mean, like he's just, such like a down-to-earth, genuinely likable person. To New, me, Mass anyway, but... New Mass Effect. New Mass Effect. goes to Andromeda <laughs> in the car Liam mailed. He just rolls up in that car. <laughs> I would pay money for that. <laughs> See, uh, we've got uh, some conflicting um, th- thoughts about it in the, the chat. We've got uh, Unknown here. Uh, likes uh, James's Jacob's loyalty mission. Uh, but then uh, Elkham, the worst character in the game, even Morith is better than him. Well, Morith's an awesome character, so that's not really saying anything. She was in my, she was well in my top five. <laughs> she doesn't have a loyalty mission, though. Well, I guess you could, no, but I guess technically Samara's loyalty mission is also Morith's, because if you pick Morith, you get her loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> Murdering your character's mother to get her loyalty. Yeah, but you're you conveniently cut out the part where she's a fanatical religious zealot who almost killed a completely innocent cop for not releasing her fast enough. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's a problem with the code though. That's not a problem with her. That's just the code being dumb. No, well that she follows the code. That's like Win and Dra- Win and Dragon Age. She supports the circle and the chantry. When I mean, like that's not a defense. Like if you kill someone and then you get arrested and you're like, oh, I. You should let me go. It's it's okay because my religion said I could do it. That's not a defense. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, I'll give you that. I have to agree with Terry here. I'm afraid uh, Liam is British, so that makes him better than Jacob. Yeah, just got to reiterate. It's a British car he's sending to Andromeda. <laughs> so it's got a wheel on the right side of the car. Does that mean if Liam's British, so do you and Tim also have? Beer stained couches anywhere in your house? If I was a loud one, I would. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got a curry stained couch, but that's not really the same. That's. I'll, I'll allow it. I'm not cool enough, sorry. Not really. Well, that's actually, really actually, that's even appropriate because I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the official quote unquote national dish of England is butter chicken. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll take it. I quite like that chicken. Yeah. Don't know about you, Tim, but I'll take that. Mm. Don't think I've tried it before, but you could certainly do worse. <laughs> uh, okay, shall I go? I guess Tim's more of a kebab guy. Or doner. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Good. Good. Good doner meat. Some chips and cheese and a good kebab. Oh, you. Uh, but anyway. Let's, uh, let's get back on track. So my number three is Kasumi. 
Our tribute is a lovely statue of your old friend Saren, rendered with loving detail and filled to the brim with our weapons and armor. You can keep your pistol as long as it's concealed. They won't hassle you over a sidearm. Once inside, we'll make our way to Hawk's vault door, somewhere in the back of the ballroom. And then we just waltz into the vault and take back KG's gray box. And I'll finally get a chance to say goodbye. Okay. Uh, this is mainly because the first time you ever play it, I find it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's completely different from all the others. You go in, in there and you've got a bit of a mystery to solve. You're acting more like a spy, and I absolutely think it's fantastic the first time you play it. Once you've played it two, three, four times, five times, it just gets so repetitive and boring, and the, the mystery's all gone, and you know exactly where to go, and you know exactly what you need to do, which I suppose is the same for all of the missions, but at least with the other missions, there's action and stuff. I mean, I know you've got action in the, the second half of Kasumi's, but it's just that first, that party scene that kind of, I think it drags a little bit after you, 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 once you know where where to go and what to do. But the, the second half, I do like the little Easter eggs you've got in there. You've got the, the big ogre thing from Dragon Age. You've got all the different little statues and models and stuff that isn't uh, a Statue of Liberty there or something? Or like part the of the Statue of Liberty? Yeah, yeah. the head. <laughs> Brilliant. But you, but can, you can imagine he's the kind of guy that would that would get that sort of stuff, wouldn't you? Don't tell me you didn't appreciate his famous long-winded we're the pictures of the galaxy speech or whatever he says. <laughs> when you got to keep him talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do the yeah, dirty things yeah. that let the galaxy keep circling or whatever it is. The locust is in there as well, which is uh, an awesome weapon. Yeah, that's the best SMG, at least in Mass Effect 2. Anyway. Do the things that keep the galaxy spinning. Exactly. And also, I'll shout out Tim, because for the longest time, I had no idea what that accent was supposed to be, but then I watched his video, and apparently he's supposed to be South African. Really? <laughs> like I said, I, literally, I had no idea what that accent was supposed to be, and whatever it is, I don't think whoever voices him is from there. But Tim no. <laughs> claimed in his video that he's apparently supposed to be South African. Not surprising. Terry <laughs> makes a very valid point here. Look, uh, Kasumi is a fun loyalty mission to, uh, just to play, but doesn't anyone recognize the face of Shepard two years after Sovereign? Which is, you know, it's... Shepard would have been quite well known after the description of the, uh, the Citadel, wouldn't they? All the TV interviews and possibly what punching is... the reporter and what I if guess... it's all a big sorry. Sorry, you finish. I was just gonna say, what if it's all a big conspiracy where everyone at the party knows about the Shepherd clone and they just think it's the Shepherd clone who's just wandering about? I would say the two things to that, Terry, to finish my thought would be first of all, I mean, obviously it's dependent on how you play, but Shepard's face could be literally covered in scars and have red eyes. But moreover than that. When you first talk to Jacob, he goes out of his way, and also I think he lists it as one of the reasons why he left the Alliance in the first place, was that everything Shepard did was swept under the rug, and the Alliance went out of their way to make it like Shepard didn't exist. So maybe that's part of it? 
I don't know, just spitballing. I did like the uh, uh, the Seren statue. I thought that was quite a unique touch. Solid gold Seren. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd put a solid gold Seren statue in my house. I'm surprised that's not on the Bioware store yet, the gear store. Yeah. Like, that's just printing money, isn't it? Get your own life-sized Saren statue. There used to be a website that doesn't exist anymore, and it was, like, absurdly expensive. It was something like, I think, $10,000. But you could actually buy an actual iron, like the the throne from Game of Thrones, and it was actually made of, like, proper iron. I guess it was ludicrously expensive, but you could do it. Someone should email. Actually, yeah, Tim, you're still affiliated with Bioware. Get them on that. I'll I'll uh, do it right now. <laughs> I I do agree with you, Tim. Though I I, I do agree. Like that, Kasumi's mission sort of like Jacob stands out from some of the others. Like um, to me at least, like ones like Pains and Garrises do kind of feel a bit like sort of mushed together. Like you do those sort of in small areas kind of thing. Like it feels like they because they created a whole new area for Kasumi's mission, or like just a whole new planet, even like a whole new environment. Just feels a lot more interesting and sort of exciting. And the city that mission takes place in is where Diana's from. Where does it take place? Milgram on Beckenstein. If you if you if you talk to Diana after every mission in Mass Effect Three, she mentions once that she's Oh my god. You've really confused me there, because I thought you meant Diana from Dreams. Oh no, not (laughs) no Diana (laughs) Allers. Really oh my god! Sorry, I should have I should have thought of that. <laughs> I was just thinking, is there a country called Beckenstein? I'm not aware. <laughs> oh my god! Well, there's your YouTube short for the week, Tim. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Manning. Then do you want to yeah. do your number two? Then. Well, my number two is Jack. Found the coordinates in your files. I want to go to the Telton facility on Pragia where they tortured and drugged me. I want to go to the center of the place myself. I want to deploy a big f-ing bomb and I want to watch from orbit when it goes. And I just think, I mean, like a whole bunch, like a lot of the other loyalty missions to me come across as very you just shoot some guys, run to a different place, shoot some guys, run to a different place, and then at the end decide whether or not you killed the last person kind of thing. And I guess in a way, Jacks is similar to that too but I like the way like even before you even start the mission when she's telling you about it she just she starts off even if you don't romance her or you ignore her or whatever she's so closed off and barely talks to you but then once you get start doing the process towards her loyalty mission she opens up a lot more and again even if you don't like her you find out so much more about her past and then even while you're running around on the mission itself shooting Varen she tells you about the planet and how the, they had to cut the grass like every six hours because plants would take over. And then there's like five or six times where you stop and she'll be like, this is where they forced us to fight. I, this blood stain is where I killed my first man. This, she, you find out so much more about her past. And I just find as violent and closed off as she is. It's just similar to Zaid's loyalty mission. It just really humanizes her. And you understand why she is how she is. And then on top of that, you find out that 
It also, in a way, kind of humanizes Cerberus because you find out that what the people were there were doing was so screwed up that they were trying to keep it secret from the elusive man because even they were like, even the elusive man was like, this is too far. He's going to shut us down if he finds out. We have to keep this all secret. It just, I just feel like it does a lot to build both for Jack and as well a little bit for Cerberus. Yeah, I've got Jack on mine as well, but uh, I suppose, yeah, it's Jack's number two for me. I really like old buildings, and I actually watch on YouTube, like, uh, Urban Explorers. So people going around buildings that used to be old and uh, used and now derelict and that sort of stuff. So her mission kind of sits into my weird kind of thing with with the dilapidated buildings and wandering around her you know, her mission and seeing her her old place and like you can see where they experimented on her and where the kids fought and where her room was and you kind of get this weird picture of what it might have looked when it was in its prime and that sort of thing so yeah it kind of i really quite like that i thought it was uh it was quite good so is visiting pripyat on your bucket list uh no uh, well, it is, but not at the minute. <laughs> it's like, did you know that the town Silent Hill is based on is actually a real place? Is it? Yeah. I forget if it's on the Pennsylvania or West Virginia side of the border, but it's called Centralia. It's a real city. Or it used to be. It's a ghost town now. But it was yeah. real at one point. Things like uh, ghost towns and that. It's just, I love it. Absolutely love it. There's a lot of um, like derelict pubs and stuff, or bars, but like leisure centres and swimming pools and that sort of stuff that are all dotted around the UK. And you can you go on and people just go in there. You should, uh? come to where I live. you should come to where I live. Everything is derelict. No one goes to any leisure centre. Yeah, that, uh, if, uh, apparently if, if there's an open door, it's not breaking and entering. You can, uh, you can legally go in and have a look around as long as you don't damage anything. And I'd imagine you're still not allowed to take things, though. No, you can't, can't take things. Also, then, if, uh, considering what you just said, you'd love the Stalker games if you've never played them. There's three of them. Yeah, no, it's it's on my, I think it's on my um, backlist, back order list that I've, I've got to play. But yeah, stuff like that, I love it. I was, I was just I was just gonna say like I know I know I don't read like the lore entries as much as other people. How do we know that the elusive man doesn't know about the experiments on Jack? Oh, he knows. Of course, he knows. Um, Edie says uh, in the when you speak to her in, in Mass Effect Two, he only ever has a, a handful of projects running at, at one time, so that he can have oversight over them. Right. So he might not want them to know that he knows, but he's going to know. Then I then I do have to ask Manning, how can you? How can you sort of see his point of view there then if for what they're doing to Jack and what they're doing to those kids? Well, I mean, I don't agree with what they were doing, but I mean, I guess I kind of painted myself into a corner. But if he knew, then that's wrong. But he also did. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't, at least in Mass Effect 2, he doesn't generally lie to Shepard that I've, I can think of. I mean, other than, I mean, I guess technically the collective ship mission where he, he could have let them know it was a trap, but then he had 
he had actual justification for not telling Shepard because otherwise the collectors would have been spooked and they might not have even gotten the data that they did. Yeah. But Maybe. if he knew, then that's, I mean, but again, people, like a person could make one severe F up and still not generally be, and still generally be considered a quote, good person. I mean, we've all done stuff in our lives that we regret, right? I've, I've never I've never kidnapped children and tortured them, Manning. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, but I'm sure when you were like five, six years old, you stole a candy bar from the grocery shop or something. I know, but they're not comparable. No, Steal, but I'm just Stealing saying, candy is not comparable. <laughs> no, but I mean, if you were if you were a billionaire like hundreds of times over and ran a shadowy cabal, I mean... I still wouldn't that, kidnap kids. <laughs> What if I they save so. the galaxy? I mean, that's like my my justification. It's like in Mass Effect 3, after the mission on Sanctuary, where Joker's like, I can't believe Cerberus and the elusive man would stoop to that. And then Shepard's like, Cerberus was trying to control Reaper forces. And Joker's like, yeah, but that doesn't justify. And then if you pick the Renegade option, Shepard's like, and they succeeded. I mean, like, if the if the tit for tat is humanity dies or we live by doing if we do the if we do the right thing but everyone dies versus doing the bad thing but we can actually save the galaxy then you do the bad thing i mean i suppose technically you might not know what methods they were going to you'll know that the project was alive and the whole project was to make jack the ultimate biotic super soldier i suppose how they go about it you might not know but it's the same thing. It's like Captain America. I'm like, do you, Craig, I'm assuming you've seen the movie. Do you justify what they did to make Steve Rogers into Captain America? I mean, they, they I mean, what, what do you mean? Like, all, all they did was sort of, I mean, I suppose it caused some pain, obviously. It kind of, you know, tortured him, but it didn't, you know, kill anybody. It didn't cause long term pain. No, I know. Or another example. I don't want to get too dark here, but another pertinent, do you know something like 95% of all the information we have on hypothermia and how to treat it, how to diagnose it, how to do everything with it was because of stuff the Germans did during World War II? So, like, if you ever get, like, severe hypothermia and they, they, they save you and you don't have to have your hand or your foot cut off or amputated, that's technically because of evil things the Germans did 80 years ago. Yeah, but okay. But do we know for sure what the what the Americans or the British or whoever sort of manufactured the Captain America serum or whatever? Like, do do we know for sure that they did something nefarious to get that? No, but I mean, they're still taking a person and injecting them with something. They're like, we hope this is going to work, but we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, and like you say, who knows what happened? What kind of testing and research went on? before they got to the point where they're like, okay, we think this is the serum. It's like Garrus said, it's that ruthless calculus of war. Sometimes 10, people, 10 billion people have to die over here. Okay, here's my... Here's, and survive over there. Here's my rebuttal. One man who volunteered is a different case to a bunch of kids that didn't ask to be tortured. David volunteered in Project Overlord, and I bet you 90, probably 98% of people take him away. Yeah. I don't think he asked for what he got in the end. Yeah, I'm just saying sometimes bad things need to happen so good things can happen. In the lo- bad things need to happen in the short term 
so good things can happen in the long term. Pro if you think about it logically, mm -hmm. like Project Overlords, when Gavin says that big speech about how if his research could save a million mothers mourning a million sons, it would be worth it. He was right. It's just those the sons that his research saved weren't human. They were Corian. Because without Project Overlord, you wouldn't be able to do the mission on Rannoch to shut down the Geth server. I mean, I'm, I'm using the term human loosely here, but you still want to like retain your humanity. I mean, I know obviously it's a galaxy of raisins or whatever. But there is an element of what at what cost. I mean, I know, I know the galaxy is at risk and everything. But honestly, if you if you look at their situation, right, they don't know for sure. Like, I'm not going to play the council here and be like, oh yeah, no, the Reapers aren't coming. Oh yes, Reapers or whatever. I'm just saying, like, there might not be as many of them as people would would believe, and so their sacrifices, like, how are they really justified if they don't know anything? You know what I mean? That's fair. <clears throat> And my response to that, Diana, would be, first of all, with the Reapers there, they're on like a pretty strict clock. But even if they weren't, even like assuming, say they had as long as they wanted. If you had two options, and option A was you can solve your problem in a month, but a bunch of people are going to die. And option B was you can solve your problem. Everyone's going to live, but it's going to take three years. What do you do? What would you pick? Three years. <laughs> like, how many people are going to die in the meantime? Well, you said everyone will live if it would take three years. No, well, like, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm. It was like a hyper, You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't twist my words. You know what I meant? <laughs> I, I I agree with what you're. I get what you're saying there, Terry. If it's the end times, like if you know that the end is coming, like if you genuinely see the threat. Then I can kind of see it, but like I don't know, it's it's a, it's a complicated situation, really. It's like I I understand the hatred of the council when you know as the player what you know, but like how can they believe, like especially when Asari have lived for as long as they have, that some human who just comes along who's not start will say this, that, and the other, and they're just supposed to believe them. I know, and that's again, that's a, I know it's a controversial opinion, but again, that's why I support what was going on at Sanctuary. Because never mind if, ands, or buts, they actually did it. <laughs> it's not like mm. it was a question. They did it. Yeah, they, they did manage to figure out how to control them. I think that's also why some people don't choose control, though. It's like the, you know, are you, are you can you be better than the elusive man, or are you just going to, you know, I, I don't know, like, it feels like you're being just as bad as he did and everything that he did to make it possible. Or, like, I, you can just destroy them and be the... I don't know if it's better, actually, because synthetic life is like that. It's, it's a whole thing, isn't it? We yeah. always talk about the ending of Mass Effect 3. Let's just go yeah, down that yeah. rabbit hole again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Greg, what's your number two? Yeah, my number two is Samara. When we met on Ilium, I told you about a very dangerous person I was pursuing. Using the information you obtained, I have located her. She's been going by the name Morinth. I would like to apprehend her before she disappears again. I 100% thought you were going to say Garrus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you thought. I just think Samara's, in, Samara's loyalty mission is very, very interesting. I think it's like you get to like do all of these different things to 
learn about um it feels a bit like a murder investigation right it genuinely feels like um it was doing basically what Bane's loyalty mission was kind of doing like it Bane's loyalty mission had like that interrogation scene and you can threaten to like um cut some guy's balls off and sell them to a krogan or something but like it felt like the other more subtle parts of like a murder investigation kind of thing were going on with samara's mission like you're in this bar you go like talking to these people finding out all these different things or i think actually you start out in the apartment of the victim and you find out all these things about how they met moritz and whatever um and then you go into the bar and you talk to all these people you basically you try to impress Moritz by doing all of these good deeds or whatever. And it ends with this just such a shocking, like, I don't know, what, I don't want to call it twist, but it ends with like sort of this shocking choice that no one expects, like this option to choose, like between two, two companions. It just, it feels like a massive decision that just comes out of nowhere, way out of left field. Like you couldn't get a new companion and then kill off the one that you've got. That's just such an unexpected, like, Thing to come up really and that just sort of like caught me by surprise and to be perfectly honest my first playthrough i didn't even get that option so when i found out you could do it that just sort of made me like love that mission all the more that you could even do that but like the fact that it's affected by morality it just sort of makes you see the renegade and paragon thing in a whole new light yeah i like that mission too and it's funny you brought up stains because like i said my problem with Bane's mission. Actually, I'll, never mind. I'll get to that later when we do our missions we hate. But I like hers because you don't, you would think a mission where you literally don't even fire a shot would be boring. But it's so well done. And like I said, there's so many things. And it has a lot of replayability too because there's what, like eight or nine or ten different situations you can resolve in the bar. And you only have to do three of them. So you could do it, you can literally play it a million different ways. It's just like I said, really enjoyable. And like you said, you have to have, I think it's four out of the five bars of Renegade full to even have the option. So how many people even know that picking Morinth is even a thing you can do? Yeah. It's not something I've ever done. I'm planning to do it. I'm actually doing a, a Renegade run at the minute. And that's why I plan to do it because I've never actually done it. I've heard her um, specialty is uh, quite good. Yeah, I think Samara's bonus power, if I'm not mistaken, is Reeve. But uh, Morin says, I don't know if it's called Dominate, but it's whatever the one is that mind controls enemies. From from my experience with the Morin's mission, it is kind of, I say Morin's mission, the Morin's conversations after you sort of recruit her, it does feel a little bit lackluster, like, isn't isn't the voice actor for Morin's the same as Jax, or am I getting that wrong? I don't think so, but I'd have to double check. Because she did sound very similar. So that's Hold on, let me... Let me check because I know who voices Jack. Let me just. But um, it just it just felt a little bit like um, I know it's one of those things like it's a um Ashley Caden situation where you can't voice too many lines for either one of them because either one could be dead. But like it just feels like with more it really sort of stands out because you know she's such a rare choice that you know less and less people will pick. Like and I think that's it. Just feels like. You know, even Samara as well, actually. There's less dialogue with her because it could be her or it could be Morin. And just uh, real quick, it's 100% not Jack's voice actors. Okay. It's strange because to, to me, like, her voice does sound very similar. 
I'd have to listen to them side by side again, but I never really noticed it. But you might be right. But it's they're definitely two different people. And also, fun fact, I don't know if Easter egg is the right term because it's so random. But if you ever bring Morinth and Grunt specifically on missions, for whatever reason, there's a bunch of bonus random mass dialogue that two of them have with each other, which is mostly just Grunt or Morinth flirting with Grunt and then him calling her the S word and then her saying, I love when you get angry. It's like so weird and out of place, but it's kind of funny. Mass Effect 2 does feel like one of those games where it would have been perfect if they had those Mass Effect 3 mechanics, you know, the one where the companions can go between rooms. It would have been so interesting to see the Mass Effect 2 companions like, just roam around and talk to each other on the Normandy. Like, especially with Moritz being there, like, disguised as Samara. That would have been, that would have been interesting. Oh, no, they did do... That's not really it's not really the same thing. I know Kelly and Kasumi both eventually figure out that she's not Samara, but I don't think anyone and there's some bonus dialogue, but I don't think anyone else does. From memory anyway. Mm. There's Sorry, a couple of apparently there's a couple of uh, inconsistencies as well. Um either she gets named as Monrith at, at certain points in the game. When she's I mean, supposed to be named as Samara or something, when she's in disguise or something. To be fair, the Caden voice actor calls it Vermeer and Vermeer. So, you know, I don't know if you saw that. Um, there was like a voice recording thing he did. I don't know if it was for like a pre-game release promo or something, but he called it Vermeer instead of Vermeer. But, yeah, and that's like, know. there's a couple. Legion, I forget exactly what it was, but when you, ha- like, when, during your conversations with legion at one point he says something that did happen in mass effect one but he gets the planet wrong i forget exactly what it is but i know that happens i'd have to re-listen to it but i know that happens i mean it happens in star wars as well well star wars the whole parsec thing (laughs) say thank you to hollywood guy for the uh the super chat i played renegade where i intentionally killed rex morden and grunt just to see what happens and keep zaheed alive I've actually never, I know it's possible for Zaid to die in his loyalty mission, but I've never actually seen it. I'm not even 100% sure how you do it. Uh, you have to do it after the end of the suicide mission, I believe. You get the option to leave him there. Well, I've seen the cutscene. Something falls on him, and then you're just like, Shepard's like, you're too crazy to be part of my crew or something like that, and then just walks away. Yeah, or is it, is it if you just don't have the renegade? option it's one of the two but yeah you you, you, you just basically just leave him there on the planet on his little mission also hollywood guy did you kill rex or did you let ashley kill him and is one of those better or worse than the other there's a question chris Paul says the conversations indicate there was a fight between morden grunt similar to jack and miranda i've heard that as well i think that'd be quite good what would that have been about like i don't know Phage, wouldn't it does does grunt really like I mean, Grunt doesn't really care much about his people, does he? Like, he doesn't really sort of feel much loyalty to them until he becomes part of, um, what's it called? Um, Clan Erdnot. Oh, yeah, yeah, Clan Erdnot, but I just meant like there was another sort of group he becomes a part of in Mass Effect 3. Is it oh, Company something? Um, something Company, yeah. Um, Green Party. Uh, yeah. Arlac Company. Uh, yeah. The star in where Tuchonka is. Yeah, I think I think Grunt does care, doesn't he? 
because he he feels that he needs to be part of his clan, doesn't he? That he's getting all yeah pent up and grunts technically immune to the genophage too anyway isn't he yeah i don't know if immune is the right word but he was built to just be able to ignore it essentially yeah he's the perfect perfect krogan isn't he i suppose yeah actually because all of those arguments take place after both respective world missions and they like you know the miranda and jack fight i think happens after both their loyalty missions and the legion and tali fight it happens after their loyalty missions doesn't it yeah so i think i think it would actually make sense maybe that they would fight because like christopher said yeah they do they do grunt grunt starts to care yeah after the loyalty mission one thing i wish if i could change about mass effect 2 would be because there's so many over the three games there's so many there's like the cave mashley decision the cure the genophage don't cure the genophage decision the legion support the geth support the Torian decisions etc etc i wish there had been a um an exchange where you could pick between either grunt or over here because honestly like nothing against i know i had them on my least favorite list but nothing against grunt but just i would love to spend the game with over here because he just comes across as super interesting and i would love to see like him interact with rex after what rex says about him I will be honest, I've done some playthroughs, like I've played through Mass Effect 2 so often, I'm sure we all have, but like there have been some playthroughs where I just thought, if I just blitz through this, is there a chance Okia will survive? Because it just, it feels like something that should happen, if like you can kill them quick enough, then he doesn't get killed by whoever the toxin is or something that's killing him. Yeah, and that's so anticlimactic too, because that, uh, I forget her name, but that woman, like the quote-unquote boss of that mission, just comes across as so lame. Like, here's some random Krogan and some throwaway blue sun soldiers, and also I have a mech. It's just, <laughs> it's so anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't always have to have some be somebody you've got you know reputation with. You know? No, I know, but I'm just saying that could have been done better. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. It would have been quite cool, actually, if they somehow carried over, like, um, one of the pirates or whatever from that mission with Garrus or something. Like, I, I don't know if all of the leaders went out to try and kill Archangel, but, like, you know, if there was one that sort of sat back or something, and when they lost all their men, they sort of turned tail and ran. Like, if they had some kind of involvement with one of the other recruitment missions or something, that might have been interesting. Or another thing that would have been interesting is, I think the elephant elephant in the room is, whatever happened to that Krogan, the quote-unquote failed Krogan, who lifts the heavy thing out of the way so you can even get up to the lab where Grunt is? He's just, I'm just going to sit here and shoot things. Did he survive? Did he die? What happened to him? I want to know. See, another thing as well, actually, is you say there aren't many Krogan that are nice. That Krogan was nice. I, I felt bad for that guy. No, yeah, I mean, it's just the Krogan, like I've said, it's the same thing. The Krogan, for me, are the same as the Torians. There's a few I like, but... Yeah, I, I like, get I it. Like, I like Rex and Eve, but for the most part, and the mechanic is hilarious. Even Reeve, Reeve kind of, in a way, reminds me of Loghain, where he does bad things, but he's trying to do it to help his people. So, I mean, even Reeve doesn't really bother me, but just by and large, a lot of the Krogan I just don't like. Yeah. I mean, I can I can see why, but like I think you've just got to kind of 
trust that they're not all like that because of Rex. And it's just like it's the like my reasoning for never curing the Genophage is like I like I said I love Rex and Eve, but I just don't trust his reign to last. It's like Garrus even makes a joke in the third game that they should hire him a food taster. And even in Mass Effect Two, the nicest thing even anyone in even his own clan says about him is the mechanic. I think it was the mechanic who was like, "Well, he's in charge, so we'll see what happens." And if someone kills him, then we'll see who has the next best plan. Like even his own clan was tepid at best towards him. I mean, wasn't he like? Do you know when exactly he became the leader of of the clan? Like. I don't know how long he was in charge for. I think the elusive man, when you first talk to him, mentions something about him not... He went to Tachanka after Sovereign was destroyed and hadn't left the planet in two years. So I don't think he specifically says when he became leader, but it was so it was sometime between one and two, if, if he's never left the planet in two years. Yeah, it just feels like, like surely in the two years, if they were going to try something, they would have. Well, who's to say people did? I mean, like, they're Krogan. They're literally 800 pound, a race of 800 pound warmongers. Thank you, one Hollywood guy, uh, for the super chat. Uh, personally, I shoot Rex and Morton, just because. I must admit, the very first time I played, um, I shot Morton in the back. I was like, I felt awful, but I had to stop him. I will say the one thing is, it's like I've said, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If Rex is dead, you can talk Morden out of curing the Genophage. The fact that if one person is not there, you can get Morden to change his mind, and considering how fast Krogan breed is all the information you need to not cure the Genophage, in my opinion. Like, one Krogan is not making a difference. Mm. I think definitely if, I mean, like you say, like I just feel like with Rex and with Eve, though, I feel like with the two of them, there's a better chance. And I do get what you're saying about like, oh yeah, Rex, like, you know, his reign might not last, last very long because he's just one guy. But there is Eve as well, and I feel like she's got some kind of loyalty from from the female clan as well. I just, I can't, like, every other Krogan is like super duper bloodlust for revenge. So, and if Rex and Eve are the only two obstacles, at least that they perceive that's preventing them from getting revenge, they're going to just be like, okay, well, let's kill them, right? Mm. And again, like I like I said before in the other video, I would be very curious to know if Morden was ten years younger, if he'd still want to cure it. Because like in Mass Effect Two, every time you broach the subject, and you're like, even if you're the super duper most ultimate paragon, every time you question him on it, he instantly has a perfectly logical response for why he did it. And then all of a sudden, when he's like a month away from dying, he's like, I don't want to be remembered for genocide. I'm going to cure this. It just it comes across as like it's just like I get changing people change their minds, but it seems like he flipped a switch. Hollywood guy here uh, again. Uh, he says, uh, "Do we see a Krogan rebellion in Mass Effect Five? I think that they personally they've, they've really painted themselves into a bit of a corner here because of your decision has a, a massive impact on them as a species. It's what what are they going to do with them? I mean, on one hand." You could have cured the genophage, and there might be hundreds, thousands, and millions of Krogan now in the galaxy. Or you've not cured the genophage, and they're still scattered and maybe dying out, maybe dwindling out. It's quite a lot to be looking to, to code into a, 
into a new game, isn't it? It's just it's a it's a big situation with anything in that sector. Where so many massive things happen in that game. Like it felt like Andromeda was the perfect way to sort of put them to one side and then just be like, this is the new thing, you know, this yeah. stuff's happening now, you know, whatever could be happening in Milky Way, yeah, far away. I know, and it was awesome too, and I'm still quite upset that we're never going to get a quote Andromeda 2 or whatever they would have called it, because whatever your feelings about Andromeda are, how the game, I'm not going to spoil it because I know Tim's never going to finish it, but how the game, <laughs> how the game ends is a literal the literal perfect jumping off point for an Andromeda 2. Maybe maybe Tim's just timing it to release the final episode when <laughs> Mass Effect 6 comes out, you know? We should start a poll on your community tab about what you're going to finish, uh, Andromeda or Trespasser. <laughs> That's a good poll, to be fair. <laughs> uh, okay, so where are we up to? We're up for number ones, I think. Number ones? Manning, what is your number one? My number one is Kasumi. Kasumi. Kasumi gets bumped up. I think she was your three, right? Not your two? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I love, I know, I know, I guess technically it can get a little boring and repetitive. I just enjoyed exploring Hawk's, I don't know if we'd call it museum, where like he has all these random things, like say the ogre from Dragon Age, the Statue of Liberty's head, all these other things. The second part is just, once you leave the museum, or whatever you want to call it, the second part just basically turns into gunplay, and then the boss battle when he's in the gunship is kind of fun. But I just love, 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 love. I can't express how much I love that the first half where you basically just get to be James Bond for an hour. Like, it's so much fun. Even if you know exactly what to do and where to go, it's just so much fun. I like the fact that you got a new outfit after you complete that mission. Yeah, and well, actually, do you get to keep the suit if you're a male shepherd? I know you get to keep the dress if you're a femme shepherd. I forget if you get to keep the suit or not. Yeah, you can. I always just wear the long Cerberus officer coat, so I just forgot, I guess. Yeah, it's just like I said, it's just so much fun getting to be James Bond for an hour, for lack of a better word. I did like the, like um, Christopher Hall just says there, the gunship fight's fun. I did like the way that that ends, where you you have to kind of get the shields down and then Kasumi gets on there and disables it and stuff. I mean, that was quite cool. I know, and that would be... that. That cutscene where she does that always made me wonder what, because when Garrus says later on in the game about how he, when he was sparring with that female Turin, and he's like, I had reach, but she had flexibility, just to see Kasumi like jump off and like land in a full splits, I was like, oh, I want to watch <laughs> Garrus fight Kasumi now. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was a blast, and it's and it's a nice, it's a nice change of pace too. I mean, like I know it eventually does just turn into gunplay. But it's nice. The parts of the game where you don't just have to like run around and shoot things are fun. It actually is like world. I don't know if world building is the right term, but I think you know what I mean. Sort of expands on the galaxy or the lore, kind of. Yeah, and it's a change of pace. It's like some of my favorite things to do in Mass Effect 2 are like the goofy side quests. Like when you're on the Citadel, like the whole. There's like a 10 minute side quest you can do with those two Krogan, and you can either buy them a fish or lie to them and say there's fish upstairs or you can go grocery shopping for mess sergeant gardener or you can help those two asari get fake ids or use your specter authority to let them leave it's just like the goofy side quest that most people just consider throwaway i just find is like fun world building i guess i don't maybe i'm weird i get that 
it does stand out like with the music the whole james bond style to it but well that's another thing yeah that music for the first part of that is a plus a plus plus but like even just the game mechanics i guess like the fact that you've got to solve these puzzles to get into the vault it's just you know it's just well designed in general because it's i don't think there's any other loyalty mission that sort of is that complex and again mr hawks we fixed the galaxy speech it was just chef's kiss you <laughs> just imagine you being in the crowd man and be like yeah yeah like well actually i'd be <laughs> considering how renegade i am i'd probably be invited to his party <laughs> Yeah, be in your honor. <laughs> yes. I'd be the official Cerberus representative. Uh, although a guy here says uh, consuming his loyalty was meh for me. I'd place her along with Jacobs. I actually quite like Jacobs, to be fair. I was considering him for my list. We only had space will, for three, so. I will say the one thing about Jacobs' loyalty mission, the first little bit before any of the combat starts, where you're just exploring the wreck of the ship and there's all these, like, half like these audio logs you can only half hear i mean there is a bit of like mystery like it's again not really a puzzle but you're like oh what's going on here how come if they were here for 10 years why did the the recording only come up nine days ago or whatever it is and then what are all these people talking about what's going on here and then you meet them and they're obviously something's not right with them it's just like into once you figure out what's going on then you're like okay his dad's a, a dick but while you're trying to sort out what's actually happening, it's kind of interesting. It's a shame that, I mean, the ship's huge, absolutely huge. It's really impressive when you first walk up to it, but you can only w walk on to like a very small section of it. It's quite disappointing. It would have been better, I think, if you could have actually had a bit of an explore of it. I think if there was more information to set up who Jacob's dad really was, like if Jacob was kind of like, if he said a little bit about the best parts of his dad, but then said little things about like things that seem very strange, but then sort of raise questions, like he'd go off and do something and not tell you where he was going or whatever, like he'd do some shady stuff. And then it's kind of setting up that maybe he's not who Jacob thinks he is. And then like, you know, what he does isn't, it almost sort of, it's more interesting because it actually feels like you could go back and be like, oh my God, yeah. So he was, he was doing something like on the side, maybe. To make money or whatever and you know it feels like it would set yeah. up that bit better and i do quite like tim's idea as well of like if you could explore more of the ship like they could have done something like do you remember in republic commando i think it's like the third or fourth mission where you like you're investigating this ghost ship and you have no idea what's going on it's just it's just sitting there and nothing's happening you can't find anyone and it's almost like playing dead space for half an hour and then Obviously, the action picks up after. If they'd done something like that, I think might have been pretty interesting. Yeah. So, anything more to say on consumers? When you do, when Hawk confronts confronts you in the museum, do you hit the renegade interrupt and shoot the boss just to piss him off, or do you let it slide? <laughs> Gotta shoot the boss. Gotta be done. <laughs> Even if I'm playing as the Paragon player, it's like. <laughs> Get all like cross and stuff. Yeah, it's just too tempting. Okay, so where uh, my number one? I really struggled with this because uh, there's about two or two or three that I really like, and obviously I only can only pick one. So I narrowed it down between uh, a toss up between Garrison and uh, Talis. 
And I'm afraid I had to go with Tavis. I just received a message from the migrant fleet. The Admiralty Board has accused me of treason. I'm scared, Shepard. Purely on the basis that because you can... It, it doesn't signpost it. It doesn't tell you you can do it. It is just a case of, oh, I wonder if I can bring Legion to Tavi's loyalty mission. And it lets you. It, it, and that is, you know, absolutely fantastic. If you didn't think of doing it in the first instance, and you just went and did her loyalty mission straight off, you get a completely different, well, it's not completely different, but there's a load of different dialogue. And, yeah, I, I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. And I love the trial that you've got about three or four different outcomes that you can get from her a trial as well, which then feeds into Mass Effect 3, because if you don't have the right one, then you can't get peace between them. Um, but then if you pick the wrong one, she gets upset with you, and if you're trying to do the right thing, it, it's brilliant. And then, obviously, you, as you go and look for a dad, you find out what he's actually been up to. And Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy doing her, her little mission. I, I always take the teacher with me now as well. Surely someone would have shot Legion, though. Bringing a guest onto the live ships like that, like somebody would have drawn a gun and fired at least. Well, if you bring them, there's like six people draw guns, and then Shepard okay. stands in front of them and is like, "If you shoot them, I'm taking my helmet off and coughing everywhere." <laughs> okay, but like <laughs> Shepard doesn't do that in every room on the ship. Somebody would have shot Legion, I swear. Uh, Diana, real quick, yes, just because it's hilarious. I'd normally send them <laughs> into the room. Like charge. <laughs> hey, Diana Vass, uh, I forgot to ask, do you guys um, have the guts to kill is it Niftu? It's Niftu Kal. Niftu Kal, uh, the biotic god. I, 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 For me, it all depends on if I'm doing a, a renegade or a paragon playthrough. And it's best if you have Jack with you, because if you do it, she'll be like, Shepard, that was mean. Just, <laughs> it was freaking hilarious, but it was mean. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from her, it must have been. Well, Jack's Jack, as far as like zingy one-liners go, was one of the best in the. Like, have you ever brought Jack on Miranda's loyalty mission? When you get to Captain and Yala at the end, and then Miranda's like, "Take your best shot," and Yala's like, "I was just waiting for you to get dressed, or does Cerberus actually let you whore around like that?" And Jack's like, "I like her. Are we still recruiting?" <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing with tallies, though, is, first of all, I just want to make a quick correction. You can make peace with any of the outcomes. The only th the only two main requirements are Legion and Tally both have to be there. But other than, as long as both of them survive Mass Effect 2, the result of her trial can be anything, and you can still make peace. I think she needs to be an Admiral. Pretty sure she needs to be an Admiral for it to work. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive because even in even if you if in her trial, if you hide the evidence and let her get exiled, then in the third game she's still an admiral. She's just a secret admiral. Like they don't tell anyone else in the fleet, but she's still an admiral. It, it, I mean, either way, like I do think Tully's loyalty mission is really interesting, and you know, hearing more about her father and like how basically it's it's sort of it's a better way of executing what Jacob was trying to be, like. Um, it's funny actually how a lot of people joke about how basically all of the companions in Mass Effect 2 are like daddy issues, whatever, they've, they've got like, they've all got daddy issues 
but like um it's it's almost like tally's loyalty mission with with the i don't want to speak of this again but the whole thing with her dad not being who she expected is a fair execution of what jacob's you know turning out to be not who he expected here's a question for you guys if you think what Cerberus did at Sanctuary was wrong. How do you feel about what Rail Zora was doing to the Geth? What do you mean? But... Well, they were basically the Cerberus was killing humans to find a way to control Reapers, and Rail Zora was mutilating and torturing Geth to find a better way to kill them. Geth the exact machine. same thing. The Geth are people too. <laughs> but other other than that. What happened at Sanctuary is essentially the exact same thing as what Rail was doing to the Geth. Terry, Terry says it perfectly. How can software have a soul? Because they're people, they're sentient. Anything <laughs> sentient. It's like Engineer Adams says in Mass Effect 3 when he's arguing with Chakwas or, I guess, uh, Chloe, depending on which doctor you have. He's like, if that Geth is just standing over there minding his own business and doing his own thing, he has just as much right to exist as I do. And okay, how do you feel about Edie then, Terry? Does Edie have a soul? Uh, while we're waiting for Terry to respond, I've, uh, I've just found out what you need for, for, for making peace. The things you must have, as that you must have activated Legion, uh, Shepard must have completed Legion's loyalty mission, both Tally and Legion to survive, and the Geth fighter squadrons in Mass Effect 3, the Rannoch Geth fighter squadron ones, they're the ones that you have to have done. And then it was all based on the point system, and you need five to seven points in order to get peace. And if the Admiral's acquitted at a uh, trial, it's a two-point bonus. That's because I've read a couple different lists that said different things. Because I also remember, I swear, I read a list once that said you had to, when you do the, the mission to rescue Chorus, at the end, you had to save him and not the other survivors. So then one time, I intentionally let him die to save the survivors, and then I still was able to make peace anyway. So I'm pretty sure there's some different lists out there. But I do know about the secret point system. <laughs> I love Terry's answer here. <laughs> nope, he needs a warfare program. You with a sex-pop body, it doesn't change that it's still software. <laughs> so you're saying then that Joker fell in love and presumably married something that doesn't have a soul. Yeah. Must be. Agreed, Angel. Thank you for the super chat there, Angel. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, as far as the tally go, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a really good story beat as well. I mean, you get to see the actual, what do you call them? The live ships. The live ships? Yeah, it's your first first time going on one, isn't it? Yeah. I think so it's the only time you go on one. But yeah, I mean, what, what do you guys think? Are you got any more thoughts? Well, I guess the next logical question would be, just because there's so many ways to sort the trial out, how, what's your favorite way to do it? I'd norm, I, I would normally probably say rally the crowd, but I always give the detour to Cerberus, come at me chat. So that's never an option. So I always pick the Renegade one because I think the way Shepard physically shouts them down with the Renegade answer, calling it a sham and a kangaroo court, and then swearing at them is a lot more impactful than just the Paragon one where he's like, Tally's a good person. How could you exile the person who 
help save the Citadel. It just comes across as corny. Why do you give Vitor to Cerberus? They don't. It's pointless. Because it, like, they like. I think it, I forget if it's Jacob Miranda, but I think it's Jacob. Anyway, one of them says the, the core, or actually, I think it's Shepard. If you pick the branding option, when you tell Tally, he's like, Corins have already proven they don't want to play ball. Whatever the guy's name, I'm having a brain fart. Runs off ahead to try to steal Vitor before you can even get there, even though you're trying to help. Just I don't trust them, and it's like. When you first walk into the room where Tally is, everyone pulls a gun on you. And then you can actually pick. I like picking the option where Shepard's like, Tally, you served on me on the Normandy. You know what happens to people who point guns at you. It's just the Quarian, they just, and it's also been two years, so who knows? She doesn't even, at first, even believe it's really you. So I'm just like, I don't care about his Omni tool. I'm going to take the Omni, his Omni tool and him. And then he gets returned unharmed. In the end, anyway, so what's the difference? You just had to spend a couple extra hours on the server's ship, but he still goes back completely unharmed. Well, I don't okay. think he goes back unharmed. <laughs> well, he has, yeah, but he, it's like when you get to, if you give him to Cerberus, when you get there and you talk to him and his doctor, there's an option to say when he's like, oh, he was suffering from malnutrition, dehydration, exhaustion, this and that and the other thing. And he was, and you could just be like, yeah, well, your patient was pretty mentally disturbed before we even got there. His results, or his condition is the result of the collector attack, not anything Cerberus did. Then Tally gets mad at you. He's like, Shepard, you're actually defending what Cerberus did? And then even the doctor's like, Tally, it wasn't physical torture. The drugs I found in this system were to help keep him lucid. She, I mean, she does say, I guess, that it was a bit more harsh than they would have preferred, but it wasn't torture. They didn't do any, Cerberus didn't do anything wrong to him. You can see why they rushed ahead in the first place, though, during that mission. Like, the Koreans have a very good reason to not trust Cerberus, is what happens in that novel. Yeah, and Cerberus has a very good reason not to trust the Koreans. That goes both ways. Uh, so that brings you to you, Craig. Okay. He's going to say Tally, I know it. <laughs> uh, you would think. But my top loyalty mission is legions. The heretics have developed a weapon to use against Gath. You would call it a virus. It is stored on a data core provided by Sovereign. Over time, the virus will change us, make us conclude that worshipping the old machines is correct. Legion. Because I just think the amount of times that I've just debated with people about like the choice between brainwashing the Gath or destroying them, it's just that whole argument is just one that you can't win and i just think that whole thing is like that's the one instance i think in the whole trilogy where i think i mean i know you'll disagree with me manning but to me it feels like there's a, it's a definitive one where there's no right or wrong answer and it's just it's such a hard decision to make i mean i know i, I think it's partly dictated by how you feel about the geth as well but like i don't know i just i love so much about it and also Controlling turrets. How cool is that? You know? <laughs> Playing tower defense <laughs> with turrets. I think the thing with Legions is, or not so much with his loyalty mission, but the decision, is I don't, to this day, understand how... I think... Like, I would love to ask whoever programmed it, or whoever came up with the concept, rather, how they decided... Because I would have personally flipped it. To me, destroying the Geth is the Paragon, 
and brainwashing them is the renegade. Because, like, I mean, like, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'd rather be dead than, a, like, a zombie. And it's just... And another thing, just to counterpoint Tim thinking that the Geth don't have souls. Have you noticed, if you bring Legion on Tally's loyalty mission, he's nothing but respectful and talks to her and tries to help her. But if you bring Tally on Legion's loyalty mission, she's like a giant dick to him. <laughs> they kicked her off her planet. What do you expect? Only after they tried to destroy them. <laughs> and it's even if you bring, if you bring, hell, even if you bring Legion on the mission to recruit Tally, he's nothing but, she points a gun at him. And he's still nothing but respectful. <laughs> I do like wandering around the, the guest ship and you see all the, I think that's the right one, isn't it? You see all the um, the primes and that in the charging stations and then you've got no choice but to cross the, the floor panels and stuff. You can't kind of weave your way around it. You've, you've got to blow up the um, the charging stations so that they, they become active and that. I do think there should have been a way to do that stealthily. It felt like it was designed for you to be able to sneak by, but there's literally no way is there to actually, no. you know, not trigger it. Well, you can, quote unquote, I think what they wanted was, like, they wanted you to have to fight, but they wanted, they made it stealthy to the point where you could at least get yourself in, like, the perfect position and not trigger them early. Yeah. It, 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 I, I mean, I guess it's just like, what's the difference though, between triggering it early and triggering it, you know, later on? Well, if you're playing on easy or narrative or whatever, then it doesn't matter. But if you're on insanity, you definitely want to like set your team up before you get to get primes angry. True. It does feel like with the whole argument that the whole mission is about, though, you know, can like, I think the decision is all about how you feel about the guest. If you see them as living, evolved entities, or if you see them as just machines. Like, it feels like in a mission like that, there should be an alternative to sneak by and not alert them. So you can be a bit more peaceful and a bit more diplomatic. But, I don't know, it doesn't make much of an interesting loyalty mission, I guess, if you don't get to fight anyone. No, I mean, yeah, I guess. But, again, and I just think, honestly, in my personal opinion, they got the decision backwards. Destroying them should be Paragon, and rewriting them should be evil. Or renegade, mm. sorry. To me, it doesn't feel like either one should be renegade or or paragon. It feels like both. You can, I can kind of see people's reasoning, like whichever one you go for. You don't think literally rewriting someone's brain to force them to do something against their will is renegade? Even never mind evil. That's not even a little renegade to you. Like I said, I'd rather be mm. dead than a zombie, like flat out. Yeah. Even at that point, though, I suppose they hadn't fully... Had they fully evolved into AI at that point? They still needed to be, like, linked together. Like, the more that were linked together, the smarter they got. Like, Legion was a one-off because he had Reaper bits in them. But, like, if you just took a random Geth and threw him out into the field, it'd be pretty dumb. Mm. They don't fully achieve, like, full sentiency until Mass Effect 3. Yeah. When if you can't make peace, you side with the Geth because the Koreans are genocidal war criminals. <laughs> so at that point, even you can say that, like, you know, the, the Geth aren't sentient beings until Mass Effect, or you can make that argument. How do we yeah. ask Manning? Do machines see the humans as soulless if you destroy other Geth? No, I think, I think the Geth are aware that there's a conflict going on, 
So I mean, like people, like in any war, people are people are going to die. So I don't think they would view them as soulless. I would just think they would view them as enemies. It's like if you and I were on other sides, on opposing sides of a war, and you shot me or I shot you, I wouldn't view it as killing a person. I'm killing an enemy, or you're or you're killing an enemy, or whatever. Uh, do you guys have any loyalty missions that you absolutely can't stand doing? Yes. It's things. I used my contacts to trace Kolyat. He has become disconnected. He's been hired to kill a man. I would like your help to stop it. Thames. It's boring. It's monotonous. It's tedious. You never, with the exception of possibly doing it in a cutscene, cut you never fire a shot. You It's a walking simulator for like 10 minutes. And then there's a cutscene. I mean, it's so dumb and it's so boring. And it's so tedious, and it's so monotonous. <laughs> I must admit, I I was disappointed that the master assassin, and you don't actually get to assassinate anybody. Yeah, but I'm sure like watching and waiting is a part of the job. I did I did enjoy the interrogate interrogation scene too, you know. Yeah, I like the whole good cop bad cop thing. I thought that was quite cool. I forget what the exact line is, but I will say if you pick if you shoot the guy, and then pick the renegade option. I forget the exact line, but Thane's like, was that really necessary? And then Shepard says something really, like, again, I wish I could remember the line, but it made me chuckle. Like, well, he was a criminal and a murderer and a this and a that and a racist. And Thane's like, okay, fair point. But like I said, I wish I could remember the exact line, but it did make me chuckle. Great. You got any that uh, you absolutely hate doing? Run. Something is wrong, Shepard. I feel wrong. Tense. I just want to kill something with my hands. More so than usual. Like it's not my choice. Like I just want to... I don't know. Grunt. That's another good one. It's literally just playing like a horde mode for five minutes. You don't even go anywhere. (laughs) I mean, the first time I played it, I thought it was interesting. Like they have that whole little speech about the history of the program between rounds, which is cool i guess um and the whole thing about sort of grunt finding a family at the end of it but once you know everything that's going to happen or what little that does happen like there's really less of a reason to want to do it other than you know i do still care about grunt and i still want his loyalty but it's tedious to do the mission i will say the one positive that mission has is there's an absolutely ridiculous amount of things you can hack to get free credits but I will say the first time I did it like the set piece where you like like you spend all of Mass Effect 1 fighting what like 10-12 Koreshimas in the Mako to then have to fight one on foot was interesting but after a couple times even that's like okay can we just get this over with (laughs) to be fair you you can fight one on foot in Mass Effect 1 you've got a very small chance of living but you can (laughs) You get that, and I know you get bonus XP if you do it on foot too. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you anything you kill in the Mako, you get less XP than if you kill it on foot. So have you done it? I don't think I've ever killed a Crusher Maw on foot, but I've killed a Geth Colossus on foot. Yeah, you kind of wear it down with your uh, your Mako first, then just hop out and finish it off. At the end of the day, especially if you play Mass Effect One on, I, I think it's called traditional or regular, whatever the 
the mode is it's physically impossible to get the level 60 on one playthrough anyway so the levels kind of don't even matter and even on unsanity you only really need to be like level 40 or 45 to beat the game fairly easily mm. well i think the yeah. thing is there christopher in mass effect one the thresher mods can instantly kill you even if you're in the makeup the one on tuchanka or the one in mass effect 2 rather sorry can't there's even a i don't know if they patched it in the legendary edition but in regular mass effect 2 there's a place you can stand where it physically can't even hit you i did not know that well, we have we have three left so between us do we want to put them onto the this here maker list? sure where would you think uh, gareth should be they all died that day before you arrived all but one a turian named sedonis survived he betrayed us shepherd he's the reason my men are dead you humans have a saying an eye for an eye a life for a life he owed me 10 lives and i planned to commit i liked garris's loyalty mission and it's interesting how you can try if you're depending on if you're paragon or renegade you can try to talk him down or just say f it and let him kill lantar my only issue with garris's loyalty mission is i feel like it was way too long like that warehouse didn't need to be that big yeah That's honestly like warehouse <laughs> at this one point you kind of turn a corner and you've got two of those Loki, loki the imra mechs the loki yeah, mechs yeah. are the small ones oh yeah that's the one two of them I, just take on i know harkin is smart enough to like seek you know disguise his identity and hide but i don't think he's smart enough to set up his warehouse like that to be able to like make it <laughs> defensible I would honestly say that the Loki mechs are more annoying than the Emmer mechs because there's just so many of them and the voice is nerve grating like nails on the chalkboard. And I don't think I, they're not the hardest enemies in the world in any game I've ever played, but I can't think whoever created Loki mechs, I swear, was trying to troll because they're just so irritating. They're not hard, they're just irritating. <laughs> uh, Tim, will you ever play Mass Effect on Insanity? No, <laughs> I like to have my controllers in one piece. You don't want the trophies? No. <laughs> but uh, no, thank you for the, uh, the super chat there. Uh, no, I, I, I um, used to have a tendency of, of launching things across the room when I, I couldn't get past a certain point. So I've kind of learned just to enjoy the story now rather than to get cross with bullet sponges. But it's... <laughs> But just getting back to the Loki mix for one second, if I may. It's like, do you know the one side mission? I forget what the planet's on, but it's after... Because you know you land on the one planet, and you find a crashed ship where, like, the virus made all the Mexico crazy. Then you go to Jari Station. And then the third one, like, to finish it, where you go to that factory, it's like a maze of containers. And there's, I swear, like, 6,000 of those mechs. And you have to, like, inch your way forward, because they come at you in, like, waves of, like, 20 or 25. And like I said, they're just super annoying and it's super tedious. And that voice just, urgh, like it is so bad. <laughs> There's such, like whoever invented, well, again, whoever created those enemies, I swear was trolling. Uh, so where should, what what do you think then, Craig? Where, where should Garrus be? I think number two, to be honest. I think Head because, of, yeah, because of that like sort of tedious fight, but also like, it does feel a little bit closed off. Like it's a bit of a shame that so much of it is in cutscenes, so much of the interesting stuff. It's just for me that that's just me though. 
You agree with that, Manning? Yeah, I think so. I was going to say, I like the mission on the, like itself. It's just, I wish it was a little bit shorter. Well, the one thing I'll ask the two of you is, do you think there should have been more to do with Harkin at the end? Like, Garrus could just shoot him in the leg and let C-Sec arrest him. Do you think it, you, there should have been, like, a more renegade option where you kill him, or you just let him walk away and tell him, I better not catch you jaywalking, you know, like, just, like, smarten up kind of thing? Like, were you satisfied with how, with what happened with Harkin, how it ended? I think he kind of got what he deserved, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be uh, uh, kicked in the nuts by Garrus, that's for sure. Do you let Garrus shoot him in the leg, or do you stop him? Oh, no, he needs to be shot in the leg. I didn't even have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> what about Craig? the um, the sniper shot at the end? I always let Garrus kill him, or kill Lantar, but I don't immediately do it. I get in his way at first so that he can, Lantar can explain what happened. And then when Garrus decides, I, yes, I still want to kill him, then I let him take the shot. But I don't just be like, okay, hi, and then move out of the way. I, I let him give his side first. Craig's mm-hmm. over there like, I don't let Garrus shoot Harkin, and I let Lantar, I make him let Lantar live. I mean, I, I get the logic between, to be honest, I completely understand someone who wants to kill Sedonis for what he did. But, like, yeah, I just, when you find out that information about how tortured he is, how he was, I think he was forced into a situation where he had to do it. I think there was somebody else who tried to make him do that. So I just, I don't know, it's a slippery slope, really. I almost feel like you're doing him a favor letting him get shot, because after he explains to you what happened, he even goes on to say, like, he can't sleep, he wakes up every five minutes in a cold sweat, like, food has no taste for him anymore, he has no friends, like, he doesn't love anyone, no one loves him, it, like, almost feels like you're doing him a favor by letting Garrus shoot him. It quite mixed in the chat. Angel says, uh, I let Garrus snipe the dude. Where's uh, Soleg, sorry if I butchered your name there, says uh, not, and Diana uh, says uh, it's great resolution no matter what, so 50-50 all round I think. What actually happens if you force Garrus to stop? I've done it before and I know he gets really pissy with you, but he eventually forgives you. Like is it a Zaid situation where he loses loyalty but then you can earn it back, or does he just get mad at you because it's been so long I forget? I don't no, think you lose. Yeah, loyalty. you don't. You still get his loyalty. I think if you let him live, he actually saves a bunch of children as well. If I remember rightly, or you get a message saying he, he helped. The Mass Effect Three thing, where everyone you save in Mass Effect Two does a good deed in the third game, <laughs> but you only ever find out about it through an email. Ninety percent of people probably miss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then there's those characters that get killed off in an email. You mean like Emily Wong driving her van, her loose truck into a group of husks to let a bunch of children escape or something? Kauriga. Is it Kauriga? I think he dies in yeah, the email. Yeah, he, he dies. I forget who he was saving, but I remember thinking, like, I think they were trying to make it not controversial, but he saved a group of people that you wouldn't think a Corian would normally save. Maybe, it, I don't think it was Geth, but it was something. I just remember thinking it was a little odd. Bolus. Maybe it was Turin's. It definitely wasn't Bolus. Because <laughs> that's like, if you let the guy at the end of Jack's loyalty mission live, I know he saves a bunch of, I think it's school kids, or biotic kids, or something like that. 
Christopher says, Riga saved Tyrion. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Riga held the line. <laughs> when you do Tally's recruitment mission, do you tell Riga to stay down so he doesn't help you, or do you let him stand, stand up to fire his rockets, but then you're on a time limit or he dies? Oh, is that on a time limit if you help him, if you let him fight? If you let him fight, you have to finish the mission pretty quick, otherwise he dies. But he can live if you tell him to fight. Because I think I did a playthrough once where I did let him shoot just to see what happened, but he still lived. So I was like, well, that was pointless. Yeah, but if you take too long, he dies. Okay. I didn't know that. I don't know what the timer is, It's but he, he can die if you take too long. I wonder if it's one of those things where they loosened it a little bit in the Legendary Edition. I wouldn't be surprised, because like I said, I've only played the Legendary Edition a bit, but I swear they dumbed Insanity way down, because it's nowhere near as hard as it is in the original trilogy. Next up, we've got Miranda. I think I'd put Miranda at, I want to say two, but I feel like three is more appropriate. My father's agents have been searching for my sister for years. I believe they've tracked her to Ilium. I've tried to keep her hidden without impacting her life, but I'm out of options. He's too close. I need to relocate my sister's family before it's too late. Like, I like the mission, and it's interesting, and you find out more about her family. And then I like the emotional bit at the end, where she, like, can't even bring herself to face her sister, and then you can either be a renegade and say, all right, then let's just go, or you can be a paragon and force her to be like, no, that's your sister. You have to go talk to her. Like, I like the emo like the heartstrings involved. I just don't know if it's quite good enough to be a two. I was, I was just going to say, like the Garrus one, it does seem to have those tedious moments, I guess, where the combat kind of gets in the way. Well, I will say it is pretty... I, I don't think it's as... I mean, like, I'm not 100% sure, so don't yell at me. I feel like it is shorter than Garrus's, but I feel like it takes just as much time because none of the combat is normal. It's all, like, over a gap, and you have to, like, wait for the the shipping crates to, like, move out of the way before you can even shoot or use the power. I didn't like the fact that her sister didn't look like her. She's supposed to be her genetic twin. Yeah, well, Miranda's yeah. also, what, in Mass Effect 2, she'd be 35, and what does she say her sister is? I think she said she's a senior in high school, so she'd be, like, 17 or 18 at the max. I'm sure if we compared a picture of you at 17 to a picture of you now, you wouldn't look the same either. Oh, I had hair then. <laughs> yeah, I know I definitely don't look the same. Um, but yeah, I like the fact that there is a mod that you can you can install that that gives her the same model, make it look like her. You know, you can kill her sister in the third game if you want to really be evil. Well, that's that's <laughs> that annoys me about the third game. To be fair, because the whole point of her loyalty mission in the second game is to make sure that she's safe and she's protected and she's with her family. And then come the third game, you just got to do it all over again. I was like, well, well, what was the point in that? Well, to be fair, her dad is, it's not like her dad is just like some guy. Her dad has a lot of money and an extensive network. Like, that's how he found her in the first place. So it's not really that much of a stretch for that he'd find her again. Especially that in the third game, he's working for Serpent, so he's got direct access. He has direct access to the Elusive Man. He's got the Elusive Man on speed dial. That's not that big of a stretch. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, you say, like, what's, I mean, you know, at the end at the end of the day, like, you're, the whole point of Into is to keep her alive in 2. 
and then she can be alive in three. It's not like it's the hardest thing in the world to keep her alive in three anyway. I'm pretty sure the only way you can kill her is Miranda has to be dead, and then you have to whipple whop and not make a decision. And then when Henry falls over, he grabs and pulls her with him. What what do we we say then? Three? I feel like Yeah, well the only thing is I now I kinda wanna say two, because my only issues with her mission were the same issues I had with Garrison. So we put Garrus as a two. What do you think, Craig? My my initial thought was two, so I think that makes sense. Okay. So it is them. And then we got more. Personally, led a team, created new version of Genophage, released it onto Chanka, other colonies, re-stabilized Krogan population. Blood pack mercenaries captured former team member, Malin, last seen onto Chanka, might torture him, make an example. I quite I... like Mordens, I must admit. I do like the fact that you can go there and you can uh, you can say right from the start, you know, Genophage is a good thing and he will say to you, no, it isn't, it was not done to wipe them out it was done to control the numbers and this is why and then you go through the the whole finding the dead krogan and you, it, it kind of all set up to change your mind and then you got that point at the very end where malin 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 is uh you completely lost it but you can still see that he was trying to do the right thing even though he was doing it the wrong way so yeah there's a lot of conflict and it's it's kind of funneled you down one aspect and then it's trying to to twist that on its head and make you change your mind and stuff so i liked it i think it was interesting because it's funny it's actually funny but it has to be the right i don't even know what the right word is but morden comes across as such this staunch like i scientist guy like just completely like i just go by the book numbers and what the science says blah 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 but then in the mission, you find that like he's got like a weirdly philosophical side too, and religious side that like you never see any other time in the game. So I mean that part at least was interesting. Plus, I love his line about it when he says that he never performs surgery on creatures that can't do calculus. It's his <laughs> personal thing. <laughs> Solve this maths equation, and then I'll save your life. And I like too when he said when he was listing off, because I mean like it's so weird like he. He makes like this big, I guess it's like his duality, because he makes like this big thing when you find the dead female Krogan, and he like almost does like a prayer. But then, like two minutes later, he's casually listing off all the different ways he's killed Krogan, and he's like even at one point says he killed one with farming equipment. Like it's like at one point he's like super respectful to the dead. That here's how I did it. So what about you, Craig? Any thoughts on Morden's? I, I genuinely did debate putting him on the list because it is a very interesting mission. Like it's 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 like you said, it's like it's a whole kind of debate, I guess, where you really are kind of the game. There's, there's the story is trying to sway you in one way or the other, and yeah, I just I think the whole thing about like is it worth it when you see all of these bodies and things that like I don't know. It's 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 a really hard hitting one, and I think it is it is a good one. I think the thing for me is at least those female Krogan volunteered, but all the humans he experimented on were prisoners. So, I mean, that kind of, it's like I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you save Malin to help the Krogan, then you have to leave David with Gavin and Project Overlord. Otherwise, you're being a hypocrite because they're the exact same thing. What would we say? What, two? One? I'd say two or three. I don't think it's not a one. I don't know if there's anything to knock it down to a three that I can think of. I don't think there's anything 
that's bad about it, isn't it? I, I personally would have just done two. Okay, then two's fine, I guess, then. I like the sound of that. Yeah, there's our list. When the Krogan goes on the ramp, do you shoot the thing and blow him up and light him on fire? Uh, oh, the, at the, the, at the, begin, the start, pipe. right? Would, yeah, would you shoot the pipe to light the Krogan on fire? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> also, now that I'm thinking about it, I honestly don't know if I've ever actually saved Mail. Have either of you? Like, what happens if you do and you don't let Morton kill him? I'm pretty sure you don't see him again. I think there's something in an email or like a shadow broker terminal thing. Like, I, I don't know, there's there's something about how he contributed. Um, he contributes to the war effort, I think, in some way, but it's off screen. I don't know. It's it's all in an email. Yeah. See, Terry gets it. <laughs> you talk too much. <laughs> Which one? Who are we talking about? <laughs> That's what Shepard says when you shoot the pipe. Oh, right, I see. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, so that kind of brings us to the, the end um in the chat just quick fire tell me what who is your favorite there we go look curtis likes rex there we got uh oh we got one for sumi do you mean curtis finding rex's armor or what mission are you talking about kind of like garris i mean to be fair i mean they are all quite different aren't they there i think there are two the vast majority of them are good in their own way I think it's actually quite hard to pick a top three, to be honest, when you really think about it. That's fair, but I just feel like if we had done a top five, we would have had like even more overlap than we already did. Yeah. Okay. Um, that brings us to the end of the podcast and the live stream. I just want to thank Craig again for complimenting my beard. It's a very nice beard. And also, that's <laughs> a very nice t-shirt, Tim. Is that a Cerberus t-shirt? Yeah. Well, he is, it is the Lazarus Project. Yeah. <laughs> I need something. I mean, I've got an N7 thing, but I need something Cerberus themed. The Bioware store sells Cerberus boxes if you want. I saw that, yeah. I'm, I'm not showing up for another one of these in boxes. But... If you have any comments or questions or ideas about future episodes, email us at thelpcast at outlook.com. That's T H E L P cast at outlook.com and if anyone would like to find you tim where can they find you i'm on twitter at ploppy54 and if anyone would like to find you manning where can they find you i'm on twitter instagram and everything else at that cerberus guy all one word no underscores or anything just straight up at that cerberus guy if you'd like to find me on twitter i am at greg and his mac thank you very much for listening thanks a lot thank you everyone and we'll see you in the next episode That reminds me of like that famous, I don't know if you get Robot Chicken in the UK, but there was like a skit they did where it was like set in Cuba and some kid, like 10 year old, was like absolutely destroying it on Dance Dance Revolution and then Fidel Castro showed up and shot him in the head and he's like, hi, I've stopped your revolution. Because I mean, if we were including Andromeda, the Evans would have 100% been my number one. Mm. It's the greatest thing in the franchise. Yeah, see, Tim can't even do that because I don't think he's done all the loyalty missions. So <laughs> I was thinking of asking you if um, me and Manning could do an episode about Andromeda. Yeah, by all means. But then you're not allowed to watch it so you don't get spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you just to, add, just to rub salt in the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Just to rub salt in the wound, Craig, let's do an episode on Trespasser 2. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, but we'll still even things out. Me and Tim will do an episode without Manning, and we'll talk about how great Win is. <laughs> yes. And how also, don't forget to mention how great Alistair is as well. Oh, yes. Uh, I'll just check the emails, and yeah, we don't have any more emails at all. No Nigerian princess. Even the junk ones have given up emailing us. Can we just sort of like reply to them so that we can get something to talk about? 